Hey everyone, this is Jason Lamb with Dare to Share, and I want to thank you for dialing in to another episode of Gospelize with Greg Steer. This month, Greg breaks down Acts 26, 16 through 19, in which the Apostle Paul recounts his conversion experience. Greg's going to encourage us as youth leaders to the fact that we need to stand up, speak up, and wake up. I also want to remind you guys, check out this podcast listing at gregsteer.org where we make additional resources available for you to download, a listening guide, a discussion guide, and then there's a transcript or at least Greg's notes from this episode so you can take this sermon, reteach it, and make it your own. And so gregsteer.org for those additional resources. Thanks again for tuning in. Here's my good friend, Greg. On April 20th, 1999, I was in Arvada, Colorado at Arvada Presbyterian Church promoting a Dare to Share conference um, at about 11.45 a.m. Uh, the pastor broke in and said, you guys may want to stop and pray because all hell is broken loose at Columbine High School. And we stopped and we prayed. We had no idea how bad it was. Uh, but I remember looking down at our conference theme that year was actually when all hell breaks loose based on Ephesians 6 the spiritual warfare passage it was kind of on spiritual warfare and evangelism and all hell had broken loose at Columbine High School and we were devastated it rocked me uh, it rocked our city it rocked the nation and Columbine the massacre at Columbine became the terrible yardstick by which every other school shooting would be measured uh, there were school shootings before, there were school, sh- school shootings after, but all of us think back to that as a pivotal pivotal moment uh, in American history. And it it shattered me personally. My wife is a teacher uh, in the in the uh, Jefferson County, the same district where Columbine High School is. I knew a lot of the kids at Columbine. And over the next few days, I went down to Clement Park next to Columbine High School and ministered to parents and teenagers and Um, God used that horrible tragedy to call me full-time into mobilizing teenagers for the gospel. I'll be honest with you, as terrible as Columbine uh, was, that that school shooting, uh, it was a moment of commissioning for me because up to that moment, I was pastoring a church and I was doing Dare to to Share at the same time and I thought I was going to do both for the rest of my life, but it's almost as though in that moment, uh, the Spirit of God commissioned me for full-time in youth ministry, to energize the church, to mobilize youth, to gospelize their world. And you too have been commissioned for this cause of reaching the next generation. And when I think of that commissioning, I can't help but think of the Apostle Paul, because he was he was knocked down. He was uh, just totally devastated on the road to Damascus on his way to persecute Christians before he was Paul. His name was Saul, and he hated everything about Christianity, and he hated everything about Christ, and then Christ showed up. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus commissioned him in Acts 26, 16 through 19. He says, now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to point you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. The Apostle Paul was commissioned to reach the Gentiles by Christ himself. You and I have been commissioned 
to reach this next generation by Christ himself. See, Paul was an apostle. He was, that means one who was sent on a specific mission. And I'm not saying we're apostles, but our calling is very apostolic. You and I have been set apart by God for this period of time to mobilize a generation, to reach their generation with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, our vision at Dare to Share is every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. And it's our prayer that you take a portion of that vision that represents the teens in your community, in your city, and you're saying, you know what? I want to accept this as from God to reach every teen everywhere in my community, have every last chance to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want every teen to hear the gospel from a friend. So just like Jesus called Paul and had him actually do three things we're going to walk through, I think in a very real sense, the Holy Spirit is calling us to do three things. Number one, stand up. Jesus tells Saul, get up, stand on your feet. Because in that moment, Saul was knocked down, knocked down by the presence and power of Christ. Maybe you feel knocked down. And maybe it's not by the presence and power of Christ. Maybe you feel knocked down by your situation at your church. Maybe you're a youth leader and you just feel like, man, I am at the bottom of the food chain. My pastor doesn't take me seriously. The parents don't take me seriously. And worse yet, the teenagers don't take me seriously. Maybe you feel knocked down because you're not paid enough. And you and your wife or you and your husband are scrambling to see, man, how are we going to get the bills paid this month? Maybe you feel knocked down because you have a full-time job. And you're doing kind of this youth ministry totally gratis And it's just eating up, not your budget, but your time and your life. Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe it's a sin problem. Whatever it is, I want you to sense the Spirit of God whispering in your heart, now get up and stand on your feet. Again, April 20th, 1999, the day of the Columbine High School shooting, I felt knocked down. But over the next several days, several weeks, Several months, the Spirit of God, get up, stand on your feet. I have an apostolic mission for you to accomplish. And I believe you are part of accomplishing that same mission and vision to reach every teen everywhere with the gospel. Stand up. Secondly, speak up. Jesus says, I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. Jesus appointed Saul... Paul, as a servant and as a witness. The word servant in the Greek is hupertes, which means under rower. It describes the slaves who are in the ship's belly doing all the rowing. One man standing in the front who would just continue to say, row, row, row. Paul is saying that Jesus said to him, you are a servant. You are an under rower. And of course, Jesus is not saying row, row. He's saying go, go with the gospel of Christ. I've appeared to you as a servant and as a witness. A witness. Because you know what? Some of you feel like you are just rowing and rowing and rowing, and you're kind of rowing through youth ministry, and you're going through the motions, and you're rowing through week after week, and that curriculum, and you're doing your stuff, but you don't feel like you're making it anywhere. Listen, maybe we're not listening to the Spirit of God, and we're not rowing in the direction He's called us to row, because He's calling us to row in the direction of being a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That means sometimes we need to turn directions. You know, we had to turn directions of Dare to Share. For 25 years, we were doing two-day conferences. We had to turn directions because the Spirit of God was saying, row this way, right? I want you to stop doing conferences. We want you to start doing Dare to Share live. And it was a tough turn, but we had, we're servants of, of the gospel, we're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We had to stop uh, charging just recently. We stopped charging for teenagers to attend the event. And, and begin to say, you know what? We just sense the Spirit of God calling us to row this direction. We're going to charge the church a slight fee, but, but, but we, we want to be obedient to what He calls us to do. What is that equivalent for you? Where do you need to row in your youth ministry to be obedient to that vision of every teen everywhere in your community here in the gospel? We speak up as servants of the gospel. We speak up as witnesses for the gospel. I want to challenge you to realize it's not just up to your teenagers to share their faith, that you as a youth leader must set the pace for them to be personally sharing your faith. I think of Kevin Mark. Uh, he's the VP of Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Texas. He read my Gospelized book. I said, what do you think? He goes, I really like it, but I'm not going to implement it right away. I'm like, why not? He says, because if I'm not sharing my faith personally and consistently, how can I ask my FCA staff to do that? If my FCA staff's not doing that, how can they ask their, uh, their coaches to do that or the athletes to do that? It starts with me. So you know what he did? He started sharing his faith personally and more consistently. And then, again, training his staff and, and them living that out. And then the staff training the coaches and the coaches with the students. And that's how movements begin when we are servants of the gospel and witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, just yesterday we had a board meeting at Dare to Share. We presented the definition of a gospel-advancing leader. And it's really simple. A gospel-advancing leader is one who is sharing the gospel personally and mobilizing teenagers to do the same. That's it. They're sharing the gospel personally and they're mobilizing teenagers to do the same. We need to be sharing the gospel personally. We need to stand up. We need to speak up. By the way, before you can speak this message, you need to know this message just in case you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast and you don't know for sure where you stand with God. God created you to be in a relationship with him. He loves you so much, but our sins, they separate us from God. And those sins can never be removed by good deeds. Being religious, going to church, trying to live a good life will never break through that wall of sin. So 2,000 years ago, God sent his son Jesus who lived the perfect life we could never live, died the horrible death that we deserved, rose again victoriously from the dead. Jesus paid the price for our sin, and everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and that's it. If you trust in him, you receive life that's eternal, and that will never be lost, and it starts now, and it lasts forever. It's a personal, permanent relationship with the God of the universe. So if you've never put your faith in Christ right now, listening or watching this podcast, believe in Jesus, trust in him. He paid the price, and welcome to the family of God if you just put your faith in Christ. We need to stand up. We need to speak up. Finally, we need to wake up. What does Jesus say to Paul? I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. He's saying, I want you to wake up. Paul, I want you to wake up, number one, to the dangers. Have you, have you been awakened to the dangers 
that your teens are facing. Now, I'm sure you've heard the statistics, but let's remind ourselves of a couple of what we call internally the big three, right? Social media addiction, boy, at least isolation, depression, anxiety. It's the same struggles that we, teenagers today are facing the same struggles that you and I faced when we were teenagers, but it's almost like social media has put gas on that fire. And now it is explosive and it is amplified and it is accelerating. Teenagers are not knowing how to have actual conversations. They know how to talk like this. They don't know how to talk like this. You know, we do a full week training in the summer called Lead the Cause. At Lead the Cause, we literally spend time training them how to have conversations face-to-face. It starts with 30 seconds of eye contact with no words. It's the most awkward 30 seconds of the entire week where students look at each other in their eyes and, that, and, and try not to giggle, right? And it's just a total train wreck, right? It's awkward for everybody, but we want teenagers to be able to look at somebody in the eye, right? Not just screen to screen, but eye to eye. And then we train them in what we call AAA Cafe, ask, admire, admit. Ask questions. How do you begin a conversation? How do you admire where somebody stands spiritually? And then how do you admit the reason you're a Christian is you desperately needed Jesus to save you? And by the end of the week, these students are having conversations right and left because we have to practice through that because students are so addicted to technology that they've forgotten to have actual conversations. I believe, by the way, side note, The teenagers that know how to have conversations and to listen to people will stand out in their school like nobody else. And I believe students will be drawn to that because technology can never replace that face-to-face interaction. Kids long for that relational connection. And the students that learn how to do that, I think it's a great evangelism opportunity for them. Social media addiction, one of those dangers. Vaping, marijuana use, super rampant. Severe health health hazards. Jonathan McKee uh, just wrote an article, Just One Thing Your Kids Need to Know About Weed. And you know what that one thing is? It hurts developing brains. Almost every expert says it hurts developing brains. Before the age of 25 or by the age of 25, the brain is still developing. And it it is dangerous. I'm from Colorado. I live in Colorado. I'm embarrassed by the drug epidemic that's happening in Colorado, not just with vaping, but also with weed, especially with weed. It's a, it's a train wreck. And um, our students are facing that. It's normalized uh, marijuana use. Again, one of the dangers that they're facing. Porn and sexting. That's the other one. An article that Barna wrote called The Porn Phenomenon. Pretty disturbing statistics about uh, teenagers and porn and sexting. Listen to this. Teenage girls and young women are significantly more likely to actively seek out porn than women over the age of 25. So usually we think of porn as a, as a, as a guy's epidemic. It's also a, a woman's epidemic, girl's epidemic. 56% of women 25 and under seek out porn. Now, it is an epidemic of young men, among young men as well. 81% seek it out. Most teens are sexting either on, on the receiving or sending in of sexually explicit images. 62% of teens and young adults have received a sexually explicit image. 41% have sent one, and it's usually from their boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, just 
most disturbing statistic of all doesn't have to do with teenagers. Listen to this. 57% of pastors, 64% of youth pastors admit they struggle with porn either currently or in the past. And this, think about this. If you're one of those statistics as a youth leader or as a pastor, and we're wondering why we don't have a revival with our students or with our people, if there's not a revival in the pulpit, there's not a revival in the pew, right? If there's not a revival with the pastor, there's not a revival with the people. If the, the youth leaders aren't seeking to live a holy life, then the students are going to be seeking to live a holy life. These are some of the dangers that we face. And I just want to tell you, um, when, you think, when you think about these dangers, this is a different level of danger than even the Apostle Paul struggled with. I know there were struggles that he had, but I'm talking about on a sin temptation level, it is coming at our students and it's coming at us in unprecedented ways and it's just going to increase. So we need to wake up to those dangers. We need to wake up to the darkness. I think about the darkness, especially of suicide. A recent edition of USA Today, 47,000 men and women and teenagers kill themselves every year in the United States. It's risen by 30% in the last 17 years. Stop and think about that. Just this last week, we got a post from Francisco Pena, Dayton, Ohio. Said these words, heartbroken today for another student who killed, him, who killed herself. Girl was an eighth grader who'd been bullied. She just couldn't take it anymore. Francisco went on to say, I wrote our mission, every teen, everywhere, in the center of the card, as a reminder to ourselves. He wrote that in the center of the card as a reminder. We're not going to stop until every teen, everywhere, hears the gospel from a friend. I don't know about you, but my heart drops when I hear about the latest statistic or hear the latest story of the latest student that has taken their life. And we got to do what it takes we got to do what it takes to mobilize our students to reach out to those who are hurting with the hope of Jesus Christ. Wake up to the dangers. Wake up to the darkness. Wake up to the devil. Acts 26, I'm sending you to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. I want you to stop and think about this. Satan is our biggest enemy. Once the bodyguard of God himself, the leader of the heavenly choir, he went rogue. He took a third of the angels with him. And the millions of angels are very good. These fallen angels are very good at being very bad. They're smarter than us. They're more strategic than us. They're stronger than us in and of ourselves. And they are out to destroy us. They're out to destroy you. They're out to destroy your teenagers. They're out to Keep that work from moving on. So we must, according to Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We need to be dependent on God in prayer. And we need to realize we are up against an enemy behind all the drug statistics, behind all the porn statistics, behind all the bad stuff going out there. There is a conspiring devil who is seeking to tear down you and tear down your students. We're in a battle. You know, one of my favorite uh, movies is a movie called Sergeant York. Now, it's an old movie. It was 1948, or actually uh, 1941. I got 11 Oscar nominations, won five Oscars, including Best Picture. And it stars uh, Gary Cooper, who plays the role of Sergeant York. What I love about this 
movie. It's based on a true story about Alvin York. Alvin York in World War I did not want to go to fight. He was drafted in. He did not want to go. He tried to opt out as a conscientious objector. Now, before then, you got to understand, before then, he became a believer. He was a fresh new believer. And before then, he was living a wild life. But his mom had been prayed for him. He had a radical conversion. He read the Bible, says, thou shalt not kill. When he got drafted, he said, I'm not going to kill anybody. So he tried to get out, but they wouldn't let him out. So he had to go. And he went, and he, he, he went reluctantly. He didn't exactly know what he should do. And, and in the movie, uh, his, his uh, sergeant gives him an opportunity to go back home and really think and pray through stuff. So he takes, he takes a history book, an American history book, and a Bible. And he's wrestling through and he's realizing that, you know, America, a lot of people had shed blood so that we could have freedom as a, as a nation. And he began to get convicted by that. But he also was wrestling through what the scripture says. And finally, uh, his Bible blew open to Matthew twenty two twenty one: Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and unto God that which is God's. And he took that as a commissioning. He took that as commission. You know what? I'm going to serve God, but I'm going to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And I'm going to reluctantly go into the battle. And he reluctantly went into the battle. Here's the deal. What they didn't know about Sergeant York, they knew that he wanted to be a conscientious objector. What his bosses didn't know is that he was a crack shot because he was a hunter in the backwoods of Kentucky. He knew how to shoot. And so in one in one war in particular, it was, it was a battle where there were 30 machine guns uh, uh, gunners uh, on a hill in continuous action that were mowing down his fellow soldiers. It's a crucial battle at Argonne. Uh, One by one, his officers were dropping off. And so finally, he said, I got to put a stop to those guns. And he climbed the side of a hill and he got on the side and he took out those German gunmen one by one by one. Eventually, they surrendered. He took 132 German soldiers prisoner. One guy, 132 German soldiers, because he said, you know what? I'm tired of my fellow soldiers getting mowed mowed down. I don't want to kill anybody. I want to save people. So he took the advantage and he helped win that battle. Right now, our students are getting mowed down by a spiritual force. And you and I have been called to take the hill, to take out the enemy, to stand up to speak up, to wake up. You and I have been personally commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like that day I was sitting in Arvada Presbyterian Church promoting when all hell breaks loose, I couldn't help but look what was at the back of the notebook, the words, strike back. When all hell breaks loose, strike back. You and I are called to strike back against the forces of evil. So maybe you've been knocked down. Stand up. Maybe you've been quiet. Speak up. Maybe you've been sleeping. Wake up. I want to pray a prayer of commissioning over you right now. Father, I pray for these youth leaders right now that you would move in their hearts. Lord, some of them have been knocked down. I pray, God, that they would hear the words of Jesus in their soul to stand up. Lord, some of them have been silent. They've not been sharing their faith. And they don't feel like they can challenge their students to share their faith. 
I ask, Lord, that you would give them the grace to speak up. Father, some of them, some of them have been blind. Some of them have been sleeping spiritually. Lord, I pray that you would help them to wake up, not just to the statistics, but to the enemy behind the statistics. And I pray, God, they will do what it takes to reach every teen everywhere, to mobilize a generation, to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use them, bless them, encourage them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome back to Takeaways, Tips, and Tools. I'm Carrie, and this is... Jason. And we're so excited to share with you some practical applications from all those great concepts that Greg just unpacked for you. We're going to start today with talking about Columbine. Obviously, that was hugely impactful to Greg, and I know I sure remember where I was during that time. Yeah, me too. You were impacted by that too. You yeah. want to share that story with us? Yeah, I, just, I remember it was in 1999, obviously. I was uh, my... Uh, uh, I guess going into my last year of college, majoring in youth ministry, and just remember sitting with a friend on a couch watching the news story unfold and being broken and just being solidified in my own soul from the Lord. This is why youth ministry is so important. This is why reaching teens is such a big deal. Um, and so on the other side of the country, but the same event uh, had just a profound impact on my life and, and my calling into youth ministry for sure. Yeah, for me as well, I was pretty close to where it happened. Actually, the church where we were ministering at was about 30 minutes away from where it happened. And I know we had some students in the middle school that was very nearby that were on lockdown and terrified. And so trying to kind of walk that through with them and process for ourselves at the same time was really difficult and heartbreaking, of course, in many ways. But also, like you shared, for me, it was really a pivotal point for Mm. my calling into full-time youth ministry. I was really working full-time in a secular job at that time and just volunteering and just really felt like the Lord was saying, you know, this is a definitely a worthy cause that I want you to invest more oh, time no. into, for sure. No doubt, yeah. yeah. And I think for all of us, just being reminded as youth leaders of our calling and, and taking a few moments every once in a while to reflect back on that calling and why we do what we do, uh, no matter what your motivation, whether it's tied to what happened at Columbine or uh, a positive experience or negative experience, mm-hmm. whatever it is, but there's a reason you do what you do. Yeah. And there's significance of what we do as youth leaders because it is investing into the next generation and, and prayerfully raising up teenagers who will reach other teens with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, yeah, yeah, Greg talked about, you know, the, the idea of stand up and to speak up and to wake up. And, and it just impressed upon me the idea of waking up to the darkness that our kids live in. And I think one of the, the, the steps I took as a youth leader uh, that really helped me enter into their space and enter into their world was just getting involved in campus ministry. And so in different youth ministry settings, I would jump on board with an FCA or Edge Clubs was another campus ministry I was a part of, or just as a youth leader, just showing up before after school or, or having lunch with our kids. You've always got to check into what the rules and regulations of your school districts are, but but getting on campus, uh, even before after school, just to be present and to be in their lives and to be where they spend most of their time, uh, so sometimes good. just entering to their mm-hmm. space helps give context for what they're going through mm-hmm. and the people they're around all the time. And so if I could say one thing in light of what Greg shared today is, is figure out a way, uh, youth leaders, 
uh, to get on campus yeah. and to be present in, in the lives of your students where they live. Yeah, that's so good for sure. Important stuff. He talked about waking up also. And so wanted to just encourage you again to really be aware of all the cultural trends that are happening in your students' lives and you know take the time to research those things because they are changing at such a rapid pace. But I also want to share my tip really is to balance that with just a healthy perspective of God's power. And obviously, no like we all know that, but it's so easy to lose sight of that when you're diving into all those sort of really depressing and dark facts about mm. the realities of what our students are facing. And so really want to encourage you to make sure you're balancing that with just that time with God and trusting that, you know, like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, That's right? It, I mean, yeah. God is still on his throne, you know, kind of pressing into that and, and knowing that he is all powerful in spite of all these things that feel so tragic and so overwhelming to us at times, no for doubt. sure. No doubt. Yeah, our hope is definitely in uh yeah, God, Jesus, yes. like how, how cool, how powerful yeah. is that for yeah. sure. Uh, a tool I want to pass on to you, uh, Greg talked about as, as leaders for us to, to be setting the pace for evangelism and relational evangelism and, and sharing the gospel ourselves. And even when we talk about gospel advancing ministry, value number three, leaders who fully embrace and model it, that if we want our students proclaiming the good news in, in to their friends and in their world, we need to speak up as youth leaders and do the same thing and not yeah. just do it from the pulpit, not just do it for from sure. the front of the youth room. Uh, but a resource we've got, it's one of my my favorite resources we've ever developed, uh, the Dare to Share Field Guide for Sharing Your Faith. Uh, breaks down the why we should share the gospel, what to communicate, uses our G-O-S-P-E-L, gospel acronym, the life in six words. But the third section of the book, it, for me, is genius because yeah. it breaks down 13 different worldviews, the basics of what they believe, how as a believer you can connect the dots and have a conversation, things you can mm -hmm. admire about what they believe, and then how you can overcome, or, or maybe not overcome, but just share the biblical perspective of things that they believe in and really dive into that dialogue and get to a place of sharing the gospel. So if you don't have a copy yourself, would really encourage you to pick up the Dare to Share Field Guide to Sharing Your Faith. Yeah, it's great. I love that book for sure. Another uh, tool you could use is a website called cpyu.org. It stands for the Center for Parent and Youth Understanding, and Walt Bueller has some great insights on there. There's articles, videos, all sorts of great things, and both for you as a youth leader, and also, by the way, hey, pass that on to your parents, because yeah. it has all kinds of the latest information about statistics and just challenges that students are facing um, for everything from the latest kind of drugs that they're into to just how to help a student who's overwhelmed with anxiety, just all kinds of great cultural things um, given from really some some biblical perspective absolutely and, and, so and CP, yeah, yeah cpyu does a great job to your point earlier of the, bringing you into the pop culture perspective yeah. with the biblical balance and not absolutely. being overwhelmed and how to respond to it so a fantastic yeah. resource yeah. hey as always we're so grateful that you chose to spend some time with us today or during this month dialing into the gospel eyes with greg steer podcast on behalf of carrie myself and the whole team thanks for spending some time with us and just want to remind you make sure you take time to to like the podcast to rate it, to review it, to share it with your friends, uh, help us get the word out about this incredible resource. Hopefully it's been an encouragement to you and by passing it along to another youth leader, you can encourage and equip them as well. Until next time, thanks so much for joining us. Mm -hmm.